If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. This show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some killer free ebooks as well as drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to the toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where you'll get the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, all that stuff that's more important than you might think. We've got boot camps running every single month here in California. Details at theartofcharm.com, and I'm looking forward to meeting all of you guys here at The Art of Charm. Enjoy. Today we're talking with my undead friend, Hal Elrod. Seriously, he was dead for six minutes. He got in a crazy car crash. He talks all about it, and then he became an ultramarathoner, and by that I mean he ran one once and said it was the worst day of his life. But more importantly, he also became a rapper, which I made him do on the show, and a speaker and a trainer, and yes, I mean it, we have had Hal freestyle the rap on the show. We're also going to talk about how we cause our own emotional pain, so the gap between what we wish were true and what is, and how we wish we would change it, that's actually what causes emotional pain, sort of that dissonance there. We're going to talk about remaining positive even in the face of death and disability, why an acute case of imposter syndrome in your career can actually be worse than death, or at least make you feel worse than being in a car crash with a drunk driver. The best way to structure your morning for productivity, happiness, and get your best shot at getting in the zone. And hint, it's not coffee and it's not just exercise. So check this out. Miracle Morning with Hal Elrod. Enjoy. Hal Elrod, you died when you were 20. I did. I did. I died for a bit. Uh, I obviously want to hear that story. I mean, first of all, to give the audience a little bit of background, Hal Elrod died when he was 20. You were hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. So I'm guessing right now you're a big supporter of, of MAD and uh, other organizations that try to curtail that. It always it always shocks me, not to make light of your situation, but if I'm when I'm drunk, I'm like, man, I better go home and like not even try to ride my bike home. <laughs> so it always surprises me when people are like, dude, I can totally drive. I'm going to go really fast. What? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, no, I mean, I, I, all those organizations are great. You know, for me though, it like, I, I, I've spoken at a lot of high schools on the topic of drinking and driving in a lot of colleges. 
Um, it's just not, I'm not really passionate about it. You know, I mean, I think that, um, it, it, uh, I think there was a bigger purpose for me to go through that, that experience. And it was more than just to be able to say, Hey, you shouldn't drink and drive, which people, you know, they know that. Um, and if, if my story can lend to people making better decisions, that's great. But I really feel like my experience was, Hey, you can go like, no matter what you've gone through in your life or what you're going to go through, there's nothing, no, no justification for you not achieving everything that you could ever want for your life. And I've always felt the sense of responsibility to overcome my challenges and achieve everything that I wanted. Yeah, you know? it makes sense. I mean, I, I can see people being like, well, he's not even Ted. So like the message isn't there for the drunk driving thing. There's plenty of really sad stories of people actually dying for longer than six minutes. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, you're right. You're you're probably you probably took the good angle on that one. <laughs> um, you broke 11 bones, which is it weird that I'm like, that's not that many. But is it <laughs> obviously that's that's a lot. It depends on which bones they were. Right. I've never heard that before. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. No, I mean, it was so I broke my femur in half, uh, which, you know, biggest bone in the human body. Yeah. And it was a compound fracture. So I broke it in half and one half came out the side of my leg. Oh. Um, I broke my pelvis in three places where, cause I got hit head on at 70 miles an hour and then I spun off the drunk driver and the, the worst wasn't from the drunk driver, like the airbags, you know, t exploded or whatever. I got sent into oncoming traffic and my car spun and the car behind me T-boned me at 70 miles an hour in my door. Oh, and wow. That's where all the damage happened. I broke immediately, you know, my femur broke in half. My pelvis was crushed between the center console and it broke three separate places. Um, my arm, same thing, compound fracture, broken half, came out behind my elbow, um, crushed my elbow into just, you know, I don't even know, the bones were broken, it's all rebuilt in metal, um, severed my radial nerve in my left arm, uh, broke all the bones that surround my eye so bad that I have three metal plates around my eye, but I had, my vision wasn't impaired, they thought I might be blind in that eye. And it's just crazy. I don't even know. How do you get hit at 70 miles an hour so bad that it destroys all the bones where they have to make, remake it in metal, but your eye is fine? Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty impressive. I mean, it just shows you how resilient the human body really is. Yeah. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And you suffered permanent brain damage. I, I mean, like, how so? You seem pretty pretty sharp. Yeah, I'm pretty sharp. Um, no, so... <laughs> where am I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. No, well, it, it, here's how bad it was. So in the hospital... I had no short-term memory. So, you, like, Jordan, you could you could have come to visit me at the hospital and spent, like, you know, three hours with me in the morning, uh, gone to grab lunch and come back, and I'd be like, Jordan, I was in an accident. Like, I literally would forget that we had talked for three hours. Um, and so it was really bad in the hospital. Now, here's the, <laughs> here's, here's the other part. So the part of my brain that was damaged, and it's the most common in a frontal, in a front uh, head-on collision, is my frontal lobe. And your frontal lobe is the same part of your brain that when you drink alcohol, when you get drunk, you, you put that part to sleep. So the frontal lobe controls your short-term memory. Thus, I had no short-term memory. And thus, you get drunk and you don't have a short-term memory. You don't remember what's going on, where you're at. You black out, et cetera. And it also uh, is the part of your brain that controls your inhibitions, your, your judgment, right. if you will. It's like your filter. And so... Literally in the hospital, it was like I was drunk all the time. I said anything and everything that a 20-year-old guy thought, <laughs> you, you name it. I mean, literally, anything that a 20-year-old guy thought, I had no filter. It's like and, Austin Powers in that movie. How do I tell them I have no inner monologue? <laughs> 
so yeah, so I, the, it's funny, my, my first book, Taking Life Head On, when I wrote that book, the first edition of it that I sent to my mom to, you know, to read, I was so proud. I had finally finished my first book. And she calls me a few hours later, just scathing, just how I don't know what you're thinking. But if you publish this book as it is, it's disgusting. I will tell every person not to read it. And what it was, was I just told all these crazy stories of what I said and did in the hospital. Um, and they were all just true stories, but just stuff you, you know, yeah, that it was, it was just, it was out of control. Um, imagine having, for example, a really hot nurse. I had this nurse, Nurse Wendy, and imagine that, you know, I was in bad shape. So she had to put, you know, she had to literally pull me off my bed into a wheelchair and then wheel me into the shower. And then she bathed me. So if you're a 20-year-old guy and you've got this hot nurse rubbing you down, like what thoughts are going through your head? Well, that's what came out of my mouth. And I'm telling her it's my turn now. I get to bathe you. I got one bone that didn't break. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, This isn't fair. Yeah, I mean, dude. And and yeah, so there were these – and it got extraordinarily graphic. I was like not a mean-spirited person, so I wasn't like a mean drunk, right? Right. I was just like a, you know, 20 year old, you know, hormone, sexual, inappropriate, you know, drunk in the hospital. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. Well, at least you had fun with that part, which it, it must have been in serious pain. I mean, was part of that just pain meds, straight up pain med talking well, or? I, you know, I, I was really low. I, I, I didn't take a lot of pain meds. I think I only took, like, I, I know I had at first I had morphine, but it got to where when they re- released me from the hospital, they gave me this whole list of prescriptions of pain medication, and I took none of them. I, I don't know what it was. I had this belief about just, and I still do, about just like n- being natural. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I left the hospital, and I was like, I, I don't, I'm not going to get any of these prescriptions. And I just, I took ibuprofen. Yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of like that too. I actually, I had my tonsils out as an adult, and that's actually a pretty for people who don't know, it's actually a pretty serious operation. It's not like when you're a kid. I guess when you're a kid, they just kind of. St- scoop right out or whatever but when you're an adult there's I don't know it's somehow very different and it's a more serious surgery and they gave me this codeine cough syrup yeah and I took one spoonful of it when I got back and I was like one the pain's not that great this stuff tastes like crap so I actually ended up um, giving it away uh, I'll let you I'll let people sort of use their imagination on that one but you know, I, 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 I didn't need it and I didn't like it. And I kind of thought, you know, I'm very much like, and I had my wisdom teeth out. I did the same thing. I had these crazy painkillers and I thought, you know what? Um, I'm just going to get rid of these because they don't do much. They just make you stupid. And it's like a little bit of pain I can deal with, but I, I don't like not being able to focus on anything and just drooling in a corner. It's not, it's not as much, it's, it's even less fun than it looks like. <laughs> It's amazing how many people get addicted to those, you know? It is. I always wonder how that happens because I'm like, what What did you take that made you go, this is amazing? Because for yeah. me, it's like, this is the worst thing ever. I think it's more of an emotional thing at that level. You know, it, it gets you stopping thinking about something that yeah that, that's hurting you as opposed to an actual sensation in your back or, or your arm. Um, I agree. It's my life. I'm not happy with my life, and this numbs my me, me mentally and emotionally. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And and so after you got in this crazy accident, you how old are you now? Um, I am 34, and I was 20. Okay, same age as me. All right, so you you were supposed to never walk again. Yeah. And so, when I, you, so I was dead. I was dead for six minutes at the scene of the accident. Um, 
what happened is thank thankfully thank thank God for the human body and the makeup of it. But I, I was in so much pain that I was immediately in a coma. I mean, it was literally like you know I don't I don't remember, but I mean it, I think it was pretty instantaneously because my uh, my best friend Jeremy was a minute behind me on the freeway and. He, he, my car was literally still in motion. It was 1130 at night, so there weren't many other cars on the road. My car, though, was still rolling across the freeway, like, slowly when yeah. he came up to it. So it had just happened. And at first, he, I mean, my car, you can barely recognize it, you know, and he, 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 it, it hit him. Oh, my God, that's Hal's car. Holy crap. Then he got out of the car, ran up, and he, uh, he, you know, all the glass was shattered. So he reached, he was talking to me and I wasn't responsive. I was in a coma immediately. And he, he took my pulse and I had a pulse. Um, but it took them almost an hour. The, the, the paramedics, the fire department, they couldn't get me out of the car. I was so, you know, where my wedged in there. Yeah. And they had to use the jaws of life and just cut the, cut the top off and cut the side off. And it took them almost an hour to get me out of the car. So I was just bleeding for an hour out of my leg and arm everywhere. And um and when they pulled me out, I died for six minutes uh, in a coma for six days. And then when I came out of the coma, uh, the doctor said, uh, you know, I had permanent brain damage and that I would probably never walk again. What was your feeling? Well, I guess excruciating. Besides excruciating pain, what was the first thing you woke up in the hospital? Were you just like, what happened? I mean, you probably don't remember the accident. Yeah. At the so, time. so my, yeah, my first, my last memory that night is like getting on the freeway. I don't remember the accident. Um, don't remember seeing the you know headlights coming at me or what I was thinking there. Um, and my first memory afterwards is actually about a week after the accident. So I only know uh, how I like how I responded when I woke up. I only know that from my you know my parents and my sister and my friends kind of telling me what it was like. In fact, it's interesting. I've I've been told so much about that first week that I don't really remember where my memories start and what I just have as a memory from it being told to me. You know, right. Um, but what I was, so basically I came out of the coma and from the get go, um, I was making jokes. Um, and I, that's just kind of my personality is always sarcastic, always funny. Um, but I know that, you know, I think the first thing, the first things that happened uh, the first few hours, they said I was, I would wake up and I was, I was kind of lethar really lethargic and, and my speech was very slurred and, um, and, uh, and, and, and then they would tell me what happened and just see me go through this kind of like disbelief and my poor parents I feel like you know I have a four-year-old daughter now and a one-year-old son and I I get now that they had the worst of this experience um but they would go through the you know having to tell me what happened and watch me kind of just you know just not just have trouble processing it and then I would fall asleep and because of the brain damage I'd wake up and I would I would not remember that I had been awake an hour before and I would remember the, the conversation so my parents like relive the nightmare over and over just continuing to have to tell me what happened and keep explaining it to me. And it took a few days before I actually started to realize, Oh, okay. I was in an accident, you know? And I'll, I'll tell you, here's, I guess here's the best, the best example of, or the best story of how I responded to this. I was, it was about a two, uh, let's see. I was out of the coma for about a week. Didn't know if I'd ever walk again. I did tell my parents that, you know, after the doctors that came and said, how, you know, we don't know if you're ever going to walk again. Um, uh, you know, we can, you know, let's wait, you know, six months to a year from now, we can maybe see how you're healing and maybe reassess and, and maybe it'll be a possibility down the road. And when the doctors left the room, I just, my parents were just, you know, just holding back tears. And I just reassured them. I said, mom and dad, I said, you guys don't worry. I live by the five minute rule. Remember, it's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. 
I said, the doctors might be experts in medicine, but they're not experts in me. And I said, one of two outcomes can happen here. And none of, neither of them are bad. I said, either the doctors are right and I will be in a wheelchair the rest of my life, which I've already decided that I can accept that. I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair because what other intelligent choice do I have? You know, being miserable, that doesn't sound like a very fun life. I'll be, you know, hot rod. My last name is Elrod. I was like, I'll be hot, hot rod Elrod, right? <laughs> in the wheelchair, in cruising. The wheelchair, you know, just cruising. And so I said, or I, I believe the doctors are, are wrong. I, I, they might be experts in medicine, but they're not experts in me. And I, I'm going to maintain faith and put forth the effort to learn to walk again until I'm absolutely proven wrong. I go, but either way, there's no bad outcome there. I'm either the happiest guy in a wheelchair or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running a marathon in a few years. Um, but, uh, but either way. So a week later, the doctors called my parents in and they said, we believe Hal is in denial. Um, we're very concerned with your son because every time we see him, he's always laughing and smiling and joking and making us laugh. And they said, that's just not normal for a 20-year-old kid that doesn't know if he's ever going to walk again. And they said, talk to him and find out how he's really feeling. And so my parents came, my dad came in and he sat me down and he was real concerned. And, you know, and you should be more miserable, young man. Yeah, that's basically what he said. He goes, how are you? How are you feeling when there's no visitors to, to talk to? You know, when the lights go out at night, are you sad? Are you angry? Are you depressed? It's okay to feel these things. And I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. Why? I can't change it. Why would I feel sorry for myself? You know, and I think it's the greatest lesson that I learned in the accident is that every negative emotion we ever feel is self-created by our non-acceptance, our resistance to something that we can't change and that we wish that we could. And to the degree that we wish that we could change it is the degree that we create emotional pain, right? Anger, frustration, sadness, depression. It's all over us putting energy into something that we can't change and wishing that we could. And once we just accept life as it is unconditionally, you can live pretty close to free from all emotional pain. And I think that's been the biggest takeaway I got from the accident. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get back to the show. Wow, okay. Essentially, we're causing our own emotional pain because of the gap between what we wish were true and what is and how much we wish to close that gap, essentially. Yeah, it's so I, I call it my can't change it philosophy, right? Those are the three words that I don't care if I'm in, frustrated in traffic, if, if, if a loved one dies, if I'm, you know, I'm in a horrible situation, I take a deep breath and I say, can't change it. And I actually had a wristbands made. I have a wristband I wear on my wrist that says, can't change it. And, uh, and those three words are like, they become magic where there's literally nothing that can happen where I, I don't accept it. In fact, the, the worse that it is, the more I just choose to accept it. And I'll tell you, I taught this message, uh, th this, when I speak at high schools and colleges and companies, you know, this is one of the most important lessons that I teach is the power of acceptance and those three words can't change it. Well, I spoke at a, at a, at a college up in Canada, uh, this was a few years ago, and I got an email that literally put me in tears about a week later. And this, this girl emailed me and she said, Hal, you spoke, you know, a few days ago, you spoke at our school. Um, yesterday was the 10 year anniversary of my dad's death. He died at like 37 or 38, I think. And she said, I've spent the last 10 years, um, feeling sorry for myself, being depressed, being suicidal, um, and, and, and feeling so much emotional pain. And I thought it was because my dad died. I thought, of course I feel this way. My dad died. You made me realize that it wasn't that he died that was causing me to feel that way. It was the, the fact that I wasn't willing to be at peace with the, that him being dead and that I was resisting it every day and saying it wasn't fair and wishing it weren't true. Right. And so she said, yesterday I got these words and she had a picture attached to the email and she got the words, can't change it, tattooed into her wrist as a reminder that she would be at peace with his death, never feel pain over it again forever. And I realized that Wow, like those three words, whether it's traffic or losing the most important person in your life, we can literally learn to be at peace by accepting everything as it is and not putting any energy into wishing 
the present moment were different. Now, now let me make a distinction, Jordan. I'm, I'm big into empowerment. You definitely should be put energy into wishing you could change anything you want to change. But the fact is that everything in your life in any given moment is as it is in that moment. And to wish for it to be different is to create some sort of inner resistance that causes pain. It's okay for you to go, okay, it is how it is now. I'm at peace with that. But I'm taking the step starting right now to make it different moving forward. So it's an important distinction between accepting everything as it is that you can't change and changing everything that you can change so that your future is as you want it to be. Perfect. That's a really important distinction. I can definitely see where a lot of people might go, oh, well, then F it. I'm just going to glide. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, yeah. So you weren't supposed to walk and you took your first step within just a couple of weeks. I mean, three weeks. You obviously weren't listening to the doctors who told you that you're never going to walk again. And then you ran an ultra marathon just to spite everybody's bullshit. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I took my first step in three weeks and it was like the doctors came in with some routine x-rays, you know, and, and talk about uh, this has really caused me to believe in the power of the mind body connection. And I apply it everything from how many hours of sleep I need. I, you know, I, cho- I, I really believe that we can influence ourselves. And I believe that just because the doctor said I'd never walk again. And three weeks later, after I chose to believe every day that I would walk again, they came in with routine x-rays and they were like, they, they were like how? They were dumbfounded. They go, we don't know how to explain it, but your body is healing at an incredible rate. And we're going to let you take your first step tomorrow in therapy. So it went from never to maybe a year from now to you know two weeks after I came out of the coma. That's so awesome. And obviously the best prep for an ultra marathon is getting hit head on by a drunk driver. And that's the take home from this. Yeah. Um, but you've also started, it's not just that you recovered physically, you've created a business, you've written a book that we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, you're award, an award-winning motivational speaker. L- let me ask you this before you got hit, were you like Mr. Positivity student leader athlete? I mean, how, how much of this was before you got, hit by the driver and how much of this is like, oh my God, you only live once type of stuff. You know what I mean? Great question. I I would say that most of it is before it it is everything that led up to the accident. And the biggest, the biggest part of it, my, I mean, my parents are really supportive and they're loving. And my, my sister died uh, when I was eight years old. My, my, my baby sister was a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, She passed away in my mother's arms when it was just the three of us at home. Just for no reason. Uh, she was born with a really rare heart condition and, uh, and she, you know, but they thought, they thought she would make it when, you know, once she made it past birth, they thought she would, she would live, uh, cause other people were living with her heart condition. Um, but she just randomly died of heart failure uh, one morning. Um, and so the point in that story is, is my, my mom, within a matter of months, my mom was leading a support, not attending a support group. She founded a support group for parents that had lost children in our community. So my, I really learned from my parents, like how to turn adversity into an advantage. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, however, the biggest, the, I think the biggest determining factor was I, when I was 19, a year and a half before the accident, I started in sales. I started selling Cutco. Um, in my first, I, and I, I was a DJ on the radio at that time. I was pursuing my dream job as a DJ on the radio. Um, and I, my buddy was like, dude, you should come, you know, check out the sales job. I'm making a lot of money. And I'm like, I'm not a sales guy. And I don't think so. Long story short, I decided to give it a shot. And my first 10 days, I broke the all time 50 year old company record and sold more Cutco in 50 years or uh, in, in for the first 10 days. than I think it was like, I don't know, over 500,000 sales reps that had come before me. 
That's funny. That's actually how I first heard about you years and years ago. And they're like, this guy sells tons of knives. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really going to jump on that one just yet. No way. They pitched it like you're just a really good knife salesman. And I was like, cool, whatever. That's who did you hear that from? You That's know what? Crazy. It was probably just one of my friends or something, and they just delivered it totally wrong. Like, had they said, I know they told me about your accident because that's how I recognized it. And then I was like, but had you said this incredible recovery, not, they were just like, he got in a car accident and he wasn't supposed to walk, and now he sold more knives than anyone else. And I'm like, so what? <laughs> People feel sorry for him because he's probably all scarred up. Like, what the hell's the lesson here? <laughs> he uses the sympathy angle. That's yeah, right. I was like, what kind of crap pitch is this? No, like, get out of here, Hal- Elrod. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, right, totally much better story than that. That's what <laughs> happens when you count on people to to sell you something a story they do a crap job you got to look into it yourself that's when you um, hang out with your friends are jackasses jordan that's when you hang out with the wrong crowd that's true yeah and i <laughs> and i count you as one of them so uh that's right. yeah <laughs> so, so yeah okay so so also i'm, I'm going to pull this out of your bio hip-hop recording artist what <laughs> yeah so shit was that in there so um yeah you might want to edit that if you don't want to deal with that reality what what t- please tell me there's a cutco rap or something um, actually that one, that's, that's my next, that's, that's the third rap song that I'll come out with. It's the um, bonus CD that's tucked away in the back of Miracle Morning. Yeah. So no, so here's what happened, dude. So you ever heard of the, the rapper, kind of an underground rapper, Kosha Dills? No, but that's a great name. Yeah. So he, he's, uh, he's Jewish as you might imagine. Yeah, he, of, course. Uh, of course. Yeah. He, so Kosha Dills. So I was at this, this college conference where I was speaking and um, and I meet this rapper. Actually, my buddy comes up and he's like, dude, you got to meet this guy. He's like got the most amazing story. He's this rapper. He was, you know, his song was featured in the Bud Light Super Bowl commercial this year. Like, you know, and I'm like, he opens up for all these big names. And, you know, so I go and I meet this guy and he's just he's he's just cool, man. He's just down to earth and just really, you know, I, I'm all about authenticity. And he just he's like not trying to be cool. He's just really down to earth. And so I, I give him a signed copy of my first book. And uh, he gives me a CD. We swap, you know, swap, swap swag. And I get a call. I get a voicemail with my wife. And my, this is my, my book, The Miracle Morning, was just about to come out. And I'm in the car with my wife. And I get a voicemail. And he, he raps on my voicemail. And then he goes, Hal, it's Kosha Dills, dude. I've never finished reading a book in my life. And I just read your book. You died, man. And now you're, like, changing the world. We got to write a song about it. Call me. And uh, I just kind of laughed it off, and my but I had it on speakerphone, and my wife goes, "Sweetie, wasn't your dream when you were a kid to like be a rapper?" And I said, "Yeah, why?" She goes, "You should call him, and he wants to do a song about your life or whatever. Maybe you could rap on it with him." And I'm like, "Dude, that oh, that's the best idea you've ever had." And so I call Kosha, and I run the idea by him, and he goes, "Dude, can you rap?" <laughs> <laughs> Not like, yet. Yeah, I, I said, no, I said, kind of. I used to rap at parties in high school and stuff. And, you know, so he's like, let me hear something. So, like, I just, I flowed for him real quick. He's like, hey, you're not that bad. So, long story short, dude, we wrote, I wrote this rap. He wrote his verse called The Miracle Morning. And it's all about waking up to your full potential. You know, you snooze, you lose. In fact, I'll freestyle it if you want to hear it. But Yes, we obviously are doing that. Uh, you want to hear it real quick? Yeah. All right, so it's called The Miracle Morning. It's on iTunes, by the way. It was featured in the new and noteworthy. Here you go. If you want to wake up to your full potential, the Miracle Morning is so essential. If you're one of my credentials, check my website on the instrumental. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm high on life, so I don't smoke joints. Wake up in the morning, sometime after dawn. 
uh, tired or not, I'm taking life head on. Because I start with meditation and then read my affirmations. Close my eyes for some visualization. Then I read exercise and I write in my journal. People say life's too short. Nah, it's eternal. It's early to bed, early to rise. It makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. Used to sell Cutco to fulfill my potential. Sometimes to realtors, but mostly residential. It's the miracle morning, morning. Wake up and stop snoring, snoring. Anyway, that's it. That's amazing. I'm so glad that we got you to do that. <laughs> that's a, hey, dude, I do a lot of podcast interviews. I've never wrapped on one. That is exactly what I was hoping to hear. All right. <laughs> so awesome. if you want to hear how Elrod rap, that's going to be the angle. When you tweet this out or when you put it up on your media, you can be like, by the way, you've heard a lot of interviews with me, but probably none where I've been rapping. That's right, dude. I, you, you, you bet. So no, so so we, we got in the studio, and his buddy from New York that he grew up with like produces for Kelly Clarkson and like Justin Timberlake and Pink, and we got to use this guy's home studio to record. The, I mean, it was just, it was it was. I had so much fun, and uh, I've thought about now doing um like I had so much fun with it, and I don't I don't you know, I don't know if I'm a good rapper at all, but uh, it was a fun process, and I thought you know what, young people like I'm big on speaking at high schools and colleges especially high schools. And I feel like, you know, we need a motivational rap album where the music's actually good. They want to bump it in their car, but it's subconsciously programming them to believe in themselves and, and think bigger and, you know, you know, be more motivated and more disciplined. And, you know, so I'm going to create like a motivational rap CD, I think. I think that would be hilarious and also really beneficial because obviously most rap, not so motivating, or at least yeah. not so positive. Uh, and definitely, I know it sounds, people are like, that's stupid, but it's actually really not because people don't think that that stuff is silly unless they're listening to gangster rap before that and they, like, get that bar set, that meter set all funky, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, you raise kids on that stuff, you know, the positive stuff, it, it will have an effect. Definitely the subconscious programming will be there because that's what's playing in the back soundtrack of their mind. Now, um, speaking of positive programming you've got a amazing best-selling book rocking out right now the miracle morning the not so obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life that's a bold statement uh before 8 a.m transform your life before 8 a.m after 8 a.m you're on your own no you're um, true. <laughs> yeah you're uh-huh. sol after 8 a.m <laughs> but tell me about this book because obviously and not just like buy it now on amazon i mean obviously we'll link it up but you know tell me what what is it? Because here's the thing: like the world is so flush right now. With you got to wake up and do exercise and you know meditate. And it's like okay, fine, but like one is that what the secret is? And two, why should I do that? You know, what's the science behind it? Yeah. So here's um the uh, I <laughs> how do I how do I put this? It's funny. I talk about this all the time. I should have a really smooth pitch for you, but. Um, the, I'm literally like awestruck by what the book is doing for people. I've, I've never, I've never, I mean, I get hundreds of emails a week from people saying this has changed their life faster and in ways that they never thought were possible. And the, the premise of it is it's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's stuff that like most people would go, okay, yeah, I should wake up early. And, but I don't know how that's probably one of the biggest things is that the book teaches like the simplest way to beat the snooze button and wake up early in the morning when you're not a morning person. I think that's the probably the biggest win from the book because most people that, you know, I think it's turned more, more snoozers, if you will, snoozeaholics into morning people. But here's, here's the premise of it. Um, if you want to change your life, right? I really believe that the greatest, the greatest truth is you must first become the person that you need to be that is capable of easily 
creating uh, and or attracting the levels of success that you want in your life. So in other words, if we're measuring success on a scale of one to 10, Jordan, not just in our, you know, profet- you know, not just in our career, but level of success personally, professionally, in terms of our finances, our relationships, our health, our energy, our happiness, on a scale of one to 10, we all want level what? 10. Level 10. I right? was like, this is a trick question. Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't though. No, we all want level 10 though, right? Nobody's like, oh, you know, I'm good with like level six. I don't want to be too happy or have too much money or, you know. No, we all want level 10 success. But you've got to look at in terms of where is your level of personal development in each of these areas. And when I say personal development, let me let me elaborate on that. I'm talking about your mindset, your knowledge, your skills, your confidence, right? That's how I define your level of personal development is all of those things. And so most people, you know, for me, when I invented this thing, or I didn't invent it, but I came up with putting this all together and giving it a shot, I was at the lowest point in my life. And believe it or not, it wasn't the accident. It was nine years later when the U.S. economy crashed. My business failed. I lost my, I just bought a brand new house. I lost my house. I was 50. I got to be, I went from zero credit card debt and very proud of that to $52,000 in credit card debt and climbing. I stopped exercising completely because I was in scarcity mode where I woke up in the morning at 6 a.m., hit the snooze button a few times, drug myself out of bed, and I worked until like 10 or 11 at night and then watched TV for an hour and then went to bed. And I was in scarcity mode. So I was just trying at all times to salvage my business. Yeah. And, uh, and also for the first time in my life, Jordan, I got deeply depressed. It, I never got depressed during the accident. And I, I think the difference, why it was so much harder for me is the accident really was rock bottom where it's like, it couldn't get much worse. Like I, I had died. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Literally. Yeah. I was dead. And it's like, now that I was uh, awake from the coma, like things would only get better. I would only heal. I would only, you know, And also the other thing is I had so much love and support, like in the hospital, I was surrounded by friends and family and hot nurses. And you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Whereas 2008, 2009, dude, I was alone and scared and, and it was getting worse every day. You know what I mean? Like I thought I was rock bottom and then another client canceled. And I'm like, are you like, I'm just. Like, come on, you know, like, it can't, how can it keep getting worse, right? Right. And so um, a friend of mine said, Hal, you got to exercise, dude. I finally confessed to a friend because I wasn't telling anybody because <laughs> the ironic thing is I was a success coach, which I think added to the depression. Oh, man. Talk about cognitive dissonance and like not feeling, yeah, imposter syndrome galore when you're a success coach and you're like this broke ass, depressed dude. snob. You just put it exactly, I've never put it that, that's exactly it. I, I, I felt like, because I'm so big on authenticity, but I'm like, am I a fraud, right? I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a success coach and I'm failing. I'm like, but what, I, you know, I, I, I can't tell my clients that, you know, what do I do? So I was, I was a mess. And um, my, uh, my wife finally said, my, she was my girlfriend at the time. So yes, she stuck with me. Good, good, good woman. But she said, sweetie, Look, you got to tell somebody because I just I didn't tell anybody. And she goes, you need to get help. You know, no offense, but you, you need some help. Talk to one of your friends like my friend, John. He's a CEO now, at you know, like 31. He was an executive coach back then in his late 20s, mid 20s. Um, brilliant guy, brilliant business mind. And so I finally I took my wife's advice. She goes, just call him. He loves you. He's not going to judge you. He's going to help you. Right. So I call John. 
I said, John, are you sitting down, man? And I break it down for him. And I tell him what, you know, I, I just say, this is how bad it's gotten. I've been putting on a front. I'm not happy. I'm not happy how, dude. I'm, I'm a mess. And I'm sitting there with my pen and like a notebook and I'm ready to take notes. And I'm, I'm, I go, John, just I'll do whatever you tell me to do, man. Whatever. How can I turn this around? How can I start making money? How can I save my business? And he pauses for a few seconds and he goes, um, hey, uh, are you exercising every day? And I literally, I'm, I'm just quiet for like 10. I go, what the hell does that have to do with yeah, me? I don't have time for that. I'm broke. Yeah. And I literally, and then I got, I started to get angry because I pictured, I'm like, he's probably fucking screwing around on his phone and not even listening to me, right? Because right. I just bared my soul. And his response is, are you exercising every day? And I, I, I go, yeah, I go, what the hell does that have to do with anything? And he goes, no, no, I'm serious, Hal. He goes, you're a smart guy. But if you're not getting oxygen to your brain, you know, and, and getting your blood flowing and, and releasing those endorphins every day, um, you're not going to be able to put yourself in the right state of mind to solve your own problems. If you're, if your love, if your physiology is at a low, you know, at a low level, cause you're just sitting at your desk all day. He goes, you're, you're, you're going to be stuck. And he goes, you need to go for Go run every day, grab your iPod, listen to a motivational audio, something. And he said, and, uh, and, 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 and brainstorm how you can turn this around. He goes, I guarantee that if you exercise every day, just 10 minutes, 20 minutes, I, I, you know, call me, he goes, go exercise for a week, listen to positive, you know, audio books or whatever. And he said, and then call me in a couple of days and let me know what ideas you've come up with. Right. Kind of reminds me now that I look back, it's like the whole, you know, you can give a man to fish or teach him how to fish. Right. Right. right sure. Give a man a fish, teach him how to fish. Yeah, exactly. And so I get off the phone and this is actually what I said. I go, John, I hate running, dude. There's gotta be another way. And he goes, Hal, let me ask you, what do you hate worse, running or your current life situation? <laughs> yeah, running? crippling depression or going yeah, out yeah. for a jog in the morning? And I'm like, touche, dude. Okay, I'll go for a run. And and I got off the phone, but really kind of still angry. Like, this is bullshit. This isn't going to – like running and listening to a, an audio is going to help me, right? And part of it, too, when you're, when, you're, when you're going through tough times emotionally, financially, right – you, you can't really think clear anyway. So it's hard. You, like you're not positive. So nothing seems like it's going to work. Right. So well, yeah, I go for a run the next morning. I grab my iPod, which I was really close to selling for like food. If you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it, I just to interrupt real quick. Um, it honestly seems like one of the reasons people shrug off, shrug off these types of suggestions is because if you're sitting there and you're like, I hate my life, for a month and a half or however long, and someone's like, hey, man, go for a jog every day. You're actually going, I'm actually angry. I hope it doesn't work because that means the solution was so simple and I ignored it the whole time that I really don't want it to be that easy of a fix. That's a, that's a, that's a brilliant insight. Jordan, you're a smart guy, dude. We should talk more often. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, I'm, to, I'm down <laughs> for that. I am down for that. Awesome. Do I you have my book it. yet, by the way? I don't. I don't. No. All right, well, give me your address after we're done here, and I'll send you a signed copy. I will. Thank you. Yeah. In fact, I'll send you a few. If you, I don't know if you ever give away prizes on your show. We do. Absolutely. And I keep stuff in my recording studio so that, like, fans who stop by or guests who are in studio, they might be like, oh, that book looks amazing. And I'll be like, here is a signed copy of the author. And they're like, oh, my God. 
that's do. really a cool thing, like for you know. So yeah, I'll definitely yeah. be able to do I'll that. Remind me because I have brain damage. I'll forget. So. Yeah, that's cool. You can lean on that. Yeah, that's it's funny. People go, "Did you get like?" They would ask me, "Did you get like a settlement after the accident? Are you going to get like a big settlement?" And I'm like, "No, the only thing I got is this brain damage card that I'm going to use for the rest of my life." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Your wife's like, "You never remember to take out the trash." You're like, "I was hit head on by a drunk yeah. driver at age 20. I, I almost was- died." <laughs> Need I show you the pictures again, sweetie? Is this who has brain damage? Me or yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Raise your hand if you have brain damage. Okay, everybody else, pick out the trash. Yeah. Take One out of the my trash. inappropriate antics. I remember I used to say this over and over again in the hospital. I'd say, "No, I'm going to use the brain damage card forever." I can already picture myself being like 60 at a diner, slapping waitresses' ass, and being like, "Oh, here's these pictures. I have brain damage." I remember you say that in the hospital. Yeah. Nice. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get back to the good stuff. Anyway, so um, so yeah, so I go on this run, and and I was exactly what you said. I'm I'm like th- I, I was my negative self talk. I'm like, this is so stupid. Why am I running? I hate running. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to fix anything. And I hear a quote from Jim Rohn that be literally this this quote, and I probably had heard it dozens of times before. But sometimes you have to hear the right thing at the right time when you're in the right, you know the right moment. And, and, and I really feel like every time I do an interview, I, I know that someone is going to hear something from this interview that's going to hit them in the right way at the right time that's going to change their life. I really believe that. Um, you, yeah, know, I don't, well, you know what? It's true because I used to think, and my audience laughs at this because I can't shut up now, but I, I started off the show with my business partner and co-host AJ and yep. we were like, oh, we're going to have like 20 episodes and we're just going to run out of stuff to say. And right now, as of this recording, I'm planning what I'm going to be doing for episode 250. Nice. And it's been, you know, that's seven years ago that we were thinking, we're just, you know, we're going to run out of stuff to say. So you're right, though. I still get email from people. I'll release something and go, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff in there. And somebody will go, you know what? That wasn't a bunch of new stuff, but it's the one last kick in the butt I needed to quit my job and go full time with my app and it's crushing it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So even if you don't come up with some revelatory new thing, sometimes some people I know for me personally, I need to hear things a lot of times before I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe there's something to this. Yeah, I'm the same way. That's why I, re- I read books over and over and over and over and over again, because you know, you have no short term memory. <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly why. No, actually, it's funny using the Miracle Morning. Um, I did change that. That was one of the first things when I learned about affirmations and I was like, um, 
you know, I, I was, I, I, you ever watch, do you watch Saturday Night Live back in the day when they yeah, had. Yeah, in the nineties when it was still funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuart yeah. Smalley though. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough and doggone it. People like sure, me. Sure. Yeah. The original affirmation that made it impossibly difficult to teach anything that has to do with it forever. Exactly. So that was like my, you know, I, I saw a skeptical, but I read, I think it was think and grow rich. And I read think and grow rich. And, um, they talked about affirmations and the power of it. And I thought, I, uh, you know, I'm going to, I asked myself like, what's the, what's a limiting belief that I have that's really, really strong, like really deep um, that, that I could, you know, see if affirmations could change. And my first thought was I have a horrible memory, right? And this was like eight years after the accident. But I mean, I literally, Jordan, if you ever asked me, my memory had healed, obviously it wasn't as bad as it was in the hospital, but it wasn't that great. Uh, like I'd be on stage um, and I, I, it became a disclaimer. I would tell my audiences, I still do this day when I speak, I say, guys, I have brain damage. You know, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But if I forget what I'm talking about in the middle of my message, that's, I'm warning you that might happen. And this is a team effort. We're in this together. So you better pay attention because I'm going to call on you to fight, to remind me what I was talking about. And it happens all the time. But anyway, so the point is um, I created an affirmation that said, uh, my, not, not that my memory is great because I think our subconscious calls bullshit when we try to use, I, like, I don't believe that affirmations are usually taught the right way by people that teach, you know, speak in I am statements. I am this, I am that. If you're not that, you're not going to believe it. If you want to be that, I think you have to word your affirmations in a way where you focus on like your, your belief that you can become that and, and, or what you're committed to doing to become that. So I talked about how I believe that our brain is an incredible organism that's capable of healing itself. And I, I reminded myself that just like I was able to heal my body with my brain um, when I was told I'd never walk again, and therefore I believe that my memory can get better and better and better every day as long as I believe that it will and I focus on it until one day I have the best memory of anyone, anyone I know. So I wrote that and I read it every day. Well, at that time, Jordan, if you, during those eight years since the accident, if you would have ever said, Hal, hey, will you remember to call me in the morning? Um, my <laughs> default response was, dude, I have brain damage. I have a horrible memory. I'm sorry, but I can't, I won't remember to call you. That like, no matter what, if anyone ever had a, a, a question that, that incorporated, will you remember to blank? I always responded with, I, I, I don't have, a, I have a bad memory. Right. Your autopilot was no, and so I'm not even going to try. And so that part of your brain literally got no exercise because you had a built-in excuse. Exactly. And that's the power of affirmations is you're, you're, you're bypassing your conscious mind and you're literally reprogramming your subconscious. So, so I do this, and it was about a month and a half into using this affirmation, and I really wasn't you know, even thinking much about it. But but my but my best buddy Jeremy, the guy that found me at the scene of the accident, he called me one day, and uh, he was just like, "Hey man, we were talking, yada yada yada." And he goes, "Hey, we, can you remember to call me in the morning?" I said, "Yeah, what time?" He said, "Eight 30. I said, "All right, I'll call you then." And I hung up the phone, and all of a sudden, it was like in that in like in a movie where like the the foreground like rushes at you. And I was like, "Holy crap!" I was like, "Did I just say yes? No problem. I'll call you in the morning." And I didn't even write it down, you know. And it was like in that moment, I was like, wow, affirmations are unbelievably powerful. That's insane. And then since then, I've used affirmations to reprogram any limiting, you know, belief or behavior that, you know, uh, that, that, that I felt like has held me back. And I think that's one of the most powerful parts of the Miracle Morning. Do you is there science behind that? Because a lot of people right now are like, yeah, 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 that's a bunch of bullshit. 
Yeah, I mean, there is there. You know, I'm I'm not a very scientific guy, and I and because of my memory is not detail oriented, so I usually will research and read up on stuff to the point of where I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm convinced of blank. But then, you know, six months later, when somebody says, hey, can you repeat the evidence? I go, no, I just remember that the evidence got me to the point that I'm at now. Right. Your memory's um, not detail oriented. Is that that sounds like a limiting belief? That's now. Right. Shit. That's my new affirmation. Yeah, it is. Um, no, it's total, totally true, though. Totally true. I bet that I mean, I have no doubt. But here's here's what I this is the example I use that when I teach affirmations, I just talk about the power of the subconscious, where if you've ever woken up from a dream and you've been sweating and you are think about how you wake up from a nightmare, right? Let's say you wake up from a nightmare and you were being chased by a guy with a knife. Well, when you wake up from the nightmare, you're breathing as if it were real. You're sweating as if it were real. Your emotional response, your fear is everything is occurring as if it were really happening, but it wasn't happening. It was happening in your subconscious. And so that shows the power of how, how powerful our subconscious is that it literally can make our bodies sweat, even though the actual thing isn't really happening. And so you figure it, it's a good, another example is if somebody is told they're ugly growing up every day by their parents or that they're stupid, even if they're not stupid or ugly, because it's going to be, it's going to be deeply programmed into their subconscious, they will live their life and make their, their decisions and, and their choices and their actions in accordance with that belief that is in their subconscious. It's not true, but it becomes true for them. And so it just shows if you can make a kid think he's stupid by repeating it over and over and driving it into his subconscious, then there's any, any belief that you can change or, or create by driving it repeatedly into your subconscious. Yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And obviously, I'm not necessarily challenging you. I believe in a lot of this stuff. I also just believe that a lot of it has to do with practical application because it's really easy to say I'm confident in all situations but then that doesn't your brain might believe that in the moment or it might believe that but then you might actually exhibit the opposite type of behavior once you're outside of your comfort zone because I don't think the brain necessarily understands all situations or all times as the words don't mean the same thing to the subconscious as they do to the conscious mind does that make sense yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's important that, you know, the, the most important part of affirmations is the feeling component. Like I always talk, uh, when, you know, I teach people that when you're using affirmations, you can't just read it mind like without any emotion attached to it. Right. Ah, that and makes you, sense. Yeah. You've got to you've got to put yourself in the visualization mode or something like that. Yeah. It'd be like if somebody said, you know, um, you're an idiot versus yelled at their top of their lungs in your face while they were drooling and scathing mad and said, you're an idiot. Right. Like, the, the intensity of the emotion has a very different impact on our subconscious, right? Right, right, you know, yeah. You could, be, you could go through an experience where it was an intense emotion where somebody yelled at you and it, you're scarred for life because it's, it was so powerful, whereas it w might not have been the words, but it was the intensity of, of the emotion that they expressed. So for me, yeah, whenever you're using your affirmations, you've got to, you know, the, the feeling that you associate with the truth of that affirmation is, is as important, if not, you know, more important than the words themselves. So tell me a little bit more about the Miracle Morning. I mean, essentially what this is, is, is what, a perfect morning routine? Yeah, so, so here's, yeah, we, we got off traffic there. So what happened was um, the, when I, I, I always, I think the best way to share this is to, to finish this story. So I, I heard on this, this quote on this run from Jim Rohn, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I, I, I talked about that earlier in the show. That's where that philosophy came from. 
I realized that I wanted level 10 success in my life and my business and my income and my everything. But I was at like a level two at that time, like mentally, emotionally, you know, uh, in terms of my, my knowledge at that time, I was, I was like at a two or a three on a good day. And that's the disconnect for most people. I think if you want level 10 success, you've got to dedicate time each day to becoming a level 10 person. So I went home with, with the commitment that I want to take my level of personal development to the stratosphere. And I, I just spent like an hour on Google, Googling the best personal development practices. And then I had you know, a piece of paper and I was jotting them all down. And I kept coming across the same six, no matter where I looked. And I was really disappointed, Jordan, because none of them were new to me. I had heard, I had, you know, and here's what they were meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. Those were the six practices. And you're now, you're like angry because you're like, that's when your friend told you, hey, are you working out? You're like, no, it must be more complicated. Exactly. I'm like, dude, where's the silver bullet? The thing I've never heard of the, you know what I mean? Like, where's the the enlightenment part, the enlightenment part, the mysterious thing that no one's heard of. Yeah. And so then here's what hit me. This is what hit me. Two things. Number one, wait a minute. Successful people swear by these practices, (laughs) right? Right. I'm like, the most successful people in the world swear by any one of these, you know? And there are some people like Oprah believed so strongly in meditation that she, you know, hired, I think it was the Transcendental Meditation Company to come and, you know, she taught all 300 of her employees and they went through an intensive training on how to do this, right? You know, Will Smith believes in the power of affirmation. So, you know, you can be skeptical all you want, but Will Smith will tell you that the words that he uses in his own mind and creates the beliefs have allowed him to create the success and the talent that he has, yada, yada, yada. So, I realized that, okay, wow, successful people do all these. And then the other side of the coin was, hmm, I don't. I don't because I think, well, they're too simple. I already heard of them before. I've never done them. So then I start debating, well, which of these am I going to do every day? Which one's going to have the biggest impact? And I'm cross-referencing articles in Forbes, you know, magazine, Forbes.com, and, you know, all these different things. And I, I, I go, wait a minute. What if I did all six, 10 minutes each, every day? And then I thought, when am I going to do it? And then I thought, what if I did it in the morning? And that's how I started every day. And long story short, Jordan, I woke up the next morning at 5 a.m. Now, keep in mind, this is the I'm 50 grand in debt. I'm depressed. I'm not exercising. And I wake up at 5 a.m. the next morning. And for the first time in six months of being depressed and hating having to wake up in the morning, just dreading facing my day, I woke up like a kid on Christmas. I'm like, I can't wait to try this. By 6 a.m., I had created the most energized, empowered, motivated uh, state of mind of being, if you will, than I had ever created in my entire life. And it was only 6 a.m. And I, I, that, was like the, that was the moment that my entire life changed. I started to feel like, wow, if I do this every day, this could literally be the one thing that changes everything for me. And I did it every day. And two months later, as a direct result of my little morning routine, it, it wasn't called the Miracle Morning. There was no name to it. It was just personal development in my schedule at 5 a.m. Within two months, I had more than doubled my income. I had gone from not exercising at all to training for that 52-mile ultra marathon that I you know, completed six months later. And my whole depression thing, it didn't take two months for that to go away. It literally started to go away that day. It was amazing. 
Um, and then I started teaching it to my clients. The feedback was incredible. It became a book. Now it's, you know, one of the best selling books. I mean, it just, it, it now has become uh, my mission in life. I've, I, like I said earlier, I've never seen something that has changed so many people's lives so profoundly and so quickly. And so now I'm on a mission to just share it with, you know, with as many people as I can. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So, so how do guys get started with this stuff if they're the ones hitting the snooze button and listening to this on their commute while they're late for work because they hit the snooze button 10 times (laughs) and they don't feel like waking up and they need my charming voice in the morning just to, just to get out of bed. Yeah. Your, your voice is soothing. It is a nice one. So, um, no, yeah, well, if you, of course, you know, of course, if you want to get the book, go to Amazon.com. I always say go read the reviews first. We we have 271 reviews now, average of 4.8 out of five stars. So I think that speaks for itself. You know, I don't need to tell you the book's good. Right. Listen, to other don't people. read all the reviews first, so you'll never actually get to the book. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, no, but so here's the deal: you can get the book on Amazon. Um, yeah, you know, we'll link it in the show notes. It'll be there. However, if anybody is listening to this and you are like I was when I started this whole thing, which was financially, I was a mess. I was at rock bottom. If, if money is tight for you right now, um, you can go get what I call the Miracle Morning Crash Course for free. And that is two free chapters of the book. So you can at least get started. It'll be enough to get you started. A 60-minute audio training all about the Miracle Morning and a 15-minute video kind of introduction to it. Um, and that's at miraclemorning.com. So again, if you know if you got the fifteen bucks to spare, go check out the book on Amazon. But hey, if money's really tight right now, or or you just want to you know just dip your toe in a little further before you actually decide to get the book, you can go to miraclemorning.com and, and uh, get the audio, the video, and uh, the, the couple of free chapters. So cool. yeah, so the best way to do this is is to get started. Can we give the guys something to do literally right now? Like they're in the car, or they're on their way to work, they're on the subway. Can we give them something to start off with right now before they hit the site or the email or the book? Yeah. So here's what I would recommend. Um, the, uh, the, the power of waking up in the morning and, and doing something that you don't have to do, right? Meaning most people wake up in the morning, Jordan, they wait to wake up until they have to wake up. They yes. have to be somewhere. They have to do something. They have to answer to someone else or take care of their kids or whatever. And if you think about Like, think about what a negative energy that is when the alarm clock goes off and you hit the snooze button. Like, you're literally telling yourself, your subconscious, you're telling the universe. The message is, no, 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 universe. (laughs) I don't, I'd rather than wake up and create an extraordinary life or create, you know, do something that empowers me to, to go to the next level, whether it's take my business to the next level, take my fitness to the next level, whatever it is, I'd rather lay here unconscious for nine more minutes, right? Versus the idea is that when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you do what the majority of highly successful people do. And I'm not saying this is the only way, by the way. I'm not saying, you know, I definitely think you could be a night owl, sleep till noon, whatever. Um, and But the, the, the thought is, or the strategy is, the powerful, um, I think the power of this is that you wake up an hour earlier and you do something that helps you become a better version of yourself, that helps you become closer to that level 10 person that you need to be to create that level 10 life or business that you really want. And that's it. So before you learn all the intricacies of the miracle morning and the six steps and this and that, set your alarm clock for an hour earlier and tell yourself, if you if you have the discipline to wake up earlier, that that's the discipline that you're going to need to create everything else you want for your life. And, and, and I think that for me, it's like, 
dude, if I don't have the discipline to get out of bed in the morning, what makes me think that I'm going to have the discipline to do all the things that I've been putting off? And that really, that first moment the alarm clock goes off, I think is the first opportunity that life gifts us with to either show, show the world and show ourselves either I'm committed or I'm not. Excellent. Thanks so much, Hal Elrod of MiracleMorning.com. We'll be linking that up as well. Thanks so much for your time, man. Great show. Hey, Jordan, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. All right, show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Boot camp details for our live programs also at theartofcharm.com, and that's where you're going to find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media as well. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher or something like that, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss a thing. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's really it. And you guys can help us. Subscribe in iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Write something nice and we will love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash theartofcharm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us up in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily to get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing products and training from us. So tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything better than you found it.